This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name is James Evans, and joining me is my co-host, and she's been on Oprah, she's been studied by scientists, she's the inspiration for the hit TV show Medium, it's Ellie Nunn! Hello! Hey, Ellie, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I'm very, very, very excited for today, because for the first time, it's not just you and me today, James. No, it is not. I'm so excited to say that we're joined by our very own Kyle and Kim Richards. It's it's (laughs) Preston and Macy Nyman. I like that. I was going to say just a couple of alpha females. (laughs) Just just a couple of alpha females. In the Camille episode, you introduced us as a couple. You said, we'll be joined. It wasn't Kim and Ken. You said it's our very own. I can't remember what the couple was. It was Nick and Trish. (laughs) That was it. I was wondering, you are our very own Nick and Trish, which is not Wait, who's Nick and who's Trish? Yep. I did not make clear that they they are not a couple. (laughs) Uh, No, very much our our own sibling relationship. Out of interest, uh, if you were the Richard sisters, who do you think would be who? I'm Kyle. Mm. No, I would say no. (laughs) I would say I would be Kyle. Well, no, I would say I would would be Kyle. I would say Macy's like messier than I am. Okay, I was going to say that you were the problem child. (laughs) <laughs> I also mean I don't mean emotionally messy I mean physically me- like Kim's hotel room like she's oh physically messier than I am not emotionally God. messier than I am I, as soon as it was out I realised it was quite a deep okay. thing to say okay you wear trilbies more often than me so you can be Kyle yeah. I wear like a wide brimmed hat a big uh, big belt buckle yeah <laughs> Preston does That's love a caftan yeah. I love mm, a caftan yeah. yeah I do my little like side eye after I make a point <laughs> Are you always going on holiday together and then Macy's a no-show and then she's like, oh, I'm moving at the moment and I lost power. And yeah, Macy's Ma- oh, moved out of London. Macy's moved to Nottingham for a bit. That was her equivalent. <laughs> I stole Macy's house. <laughs> I love the idea of Macy's new boyfriend being introduced in the same way Ken was on the show where you, you met him and just burst into tears and had to walk yeah. into the other room. When you do a Ken, ep- I mean, I realise that I'm running before I can walk because uh, this might be a disaster. But when you do a Ken episode, I need to reappear for that because Ken is my favourite character in any Housewives ever. I'm not sure he'll get a whole app. Bulldog Ken. He'll get a segment in the Kim episode, though. Surely. Can I be the, the Ken, the Ken respondent, the Ken correspondent? Oh, for- I want to be here <laughs> you, the Ken expert for yeah. his little sweet slice of tangerine. You know what, speaking of, I honestly feel that I could do an entire episode on Alison Dubois. I mean, that's sort of what we're doing Great. today. But <laughs> that's why we're here. going back and watching the episode, I did just think I could talk about this woman forever. Her oh and Dana. God. Her and Dana. And I just want to say, and I don't want to kind of like get too far out of Beverly Hills here, but not since I would say Ray on New York, you know, the guy, Luann's ex-boyfriend who accosted her at that dry cleaning party. <laughs> Oh um, God, yes. Have we ever had someone? <laughs> these two, who had these such... two haven't seen that. Sorry, yeah, and then I'll, I just need to get this out of my system. Then quickly we'll come back to the West Coast. Okay. But never have we had such like a drive-by shooting of a cameo. Someone who <laughs> has their screen time is so disproportionate yeah. to their long-term effect on the show. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like she's given us so much in one scene. 
that some of these girls could only dream of i'm looking at you erica and co i know god ray i'll never i'll never say ibiza the same again (laughs) how do you know about ibiza (laughs) how did you know you bitch how did you know Oh, uh, so much that you guys have ahead. So speaking of, why don't you guys tell us a bit about, why don't you tell us a bit about your relationship with Real Housewives? How did you come to it? How did mm. you end up on this godforsaken podcast? I feel like I remember Ellie and I were on holiday in Paris <laughs> about three months before the initial lockdown. And you told me on the Eurostar that you and James were obsessed with Real Housewives. And I remember thinking, that is so basic. I wouldn't be caught dead watching that. Uh, uh, I was like, cute, but I'm busy reading Anna Karenina kind of vibes. And uh, I, lockdown happened, it uploaded. To- sorry, can I just, sorry, can I just chip in to say, I love that you're like, cute, but I'm off reading Russian literature. We had that conversation off the back of us sitting in Paris watching the finale of Love at First Sight. On our this holiday. I'm above trash TV. On our two-day holiday, we sat watching Love at First Sight on Netflix. And that's why I was talking about I mean, Real this Housewives. is my first podcast appearance, so I was trying to figure sure, myself sure. up a little Keep bit. Keep up a few noses. If your name is searched on podcasts, you have to, you have to make at least one good impression. Exactly. But that's right. I do remember sitting on the Eurostar and I was doing it impression of James doing an impression of Luann <laughs> and Mace was laughing and she was like I don't even know who you're talking about but this is very funny <laughs> and I think I said you you must watch yeah and I never kind of imagined I would and then obviously Covid happened and sure blame it on Covid yeah <laughs> I started people do desperate things in those times yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now I can't stop and I'm I've watched nearly all of Beverly Hills I'm five, four seasons into New York and I've also done Salt Lake City. But now I'm in a place where I can't watch any other reality TV because I just think the Real Housewives franchise is like so brilliant and nuanced and I'm going back to Love Island now and I can't focus for more than a minute because it's so mind-numbingly dull. I know, I have to say, I find that with... When I talk to people about Real Housewives, I get very... I get very passionate and het up because I can see that they think I'm talking about something like Made in Chelsea and I can see them glaze over and I just I find it very difficult to like articulate what's so special about Housewives and the fact that in Made in Chelsea something may only get as far as someone throwing a drink in someone's face where in Real Housewives Ramona famously throws like the glass it's trying to explain to people that it's like at a level above whatever you think trash TV is. Mm-hmm. And that it's like a human, it's like a, a a little slice of human psyche. Exactly. In a way that those other shows are so performative. And for some reason, Real Housewives just seems to cut right to the core of who these people are. It's yeah, very rare it seems to have something that's not like, I think the reason those things are so performative is that they're all so scripted. And other than Kyle, sometimes I really think that... that Real Housewives, certainly the earlier ones, like it's hard to have a reality show that is not a comp- that's not Love Is Blind, where there's an end game. There's no end game to Housewives or Made in Chelsea, so it's amazing that that's they've never true. gone down the scripted route because I feel like those scripts only exist for things that aren't that are just aimless. There's no end to them. So Housewives is, is quite refreshing that it's not sort of quote unquote scripted. I suppose mm. that's so true. What is the end game? There's no end. Game. How do you win Housewives? <laughs> Who's winning? I would humbly submit that the fact that they're normally older women who have arguably led a life already before they do these shows and they come to it in their latter years 
adds a nice layer to it as well, doesn't it? Because it's, it goes beyond... And I've had these discussions with Ellie before where I, I'm not really into Love Island or Love is Blind or any of those things. Anything that's a reality show with youngsters doesn't really appeal to me. It's like akin to when people try and do a monologue and they're too young to do it. And then, yeah. you know, teachers like, you just, you haven't lived your life yet. You don't quite get the experience fully. And I think that is the change. On these other shows, it's like, you fucked my boyfriend. Whereas on The Housewives, it's you stole my goddamn house. And there's yeah. years and years of resentment and backstory bubbling under the surface that comes to the fore here. Yeah, the stakes are so much higher. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Preston, what about you? How did you, so I bullied Mace into it um, or she kind of, was so numbed by COVID that she sort of dragged it. I suppose it coming on Netflix changed. I was saying to James that I feel like over here in the UK, it made quite a difference that they dropped those first two seasons on Netflix. Huge. Totally. And now I I, I don't know how I would live without my Hey You subscription. Yeah. I think I had a nightmare <laughs> exactly. about it last night. Honestly, my I don't really have a job right now. It consists of me and my boyfriend are watching New York. We watch from the moment he arrives at mine till the moment we fall asleep and then as soon as we wake up we say should we put our ladies on and then we watch (laughs) till he leaves for work and then when he leaves for work I just switch over to my other tab which is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and I press play it's so exciting those first six months of a relationship aren't they (laughs) that honeymoon period where you're really Like it, that's it, and he he really wanted to watch the Adam Curtis documentaries before we started watching Real Housewives of New York, and he was saying like, should we should we do some docs? I was like, okay, fine, even though I didn't really want to. And then he said one day we were feeling a bit sad. He was like, let's just start New York, and now we just know we will never ever watch anything again until we have got to that final. I think you can learn more from new york thing you can from adam curtis <laughs> i think there's more there's more experience probably in new york than there is in those documentaries. probably more fact than there is in those documentaries totally anyway sorry preston. so preston where are you where, how, how did you come to it and where are you at i suppose bullied by you but by default in that you bullied macy <laughs> into watching it and then, and then macy I you. said we've just done macy recommended love is blind to us which i was like yeah the thought of being a hey you subscriber two years ago would make me physically sick to my stomach <laughs> i would never dream of subscribing to hey you i love by the way that i'm imagining quite a lot of our listeners of this podcast <laughs> don't love how hard we've come in with the judgment <laughs> from this. oh no i was in the wrong 100 i still think the the website is just designed by chimps it's the way the most inept way that a website is ever like it doesn't work on any of my brand i've got to go onto sort of a firefox to use it and even mm. then it lags like, it's a, the worst website and it's the ugliest they design. like to make you earn it they want to make yeah, sure that the true fans the true fans are there i made we we did love is blind on macy's recommendation having thought i hate reality i hate love island made in chelsea not i can't do any of those so macy recommended love is blind which i sort of quite enjoyed because of the pandemic and then said you have to watch, even if you just watch the first series of Housewives, because episode nine is the best television, you know, since the Jinx. Like, it's the best. Yeah. Since Ooh. the Jinx. Yes. That's literally what I said. <laughs> oh, I guess previous to the Jinx, but, but that I've seen since the Jinx. And it took some convincing. And I think the first two episodes, I was like, this I just find really depressing. The way it's shot, it feels like something I'd watch on a flight. Like, it just it feels depressing. And then gradually warmed up and warmed up and warmed up. And then by episode nine, I was fully in. And then now, I mean, I've done not new jersey but i've completed because there's only one series real housewives of jersey i'm midway through real housewives in new york you watch cheshire don't you yeah so i'm up to date with with beverly hills and also um 
me and Emily, my girlfriend, and our cousin over FaceTime um, are, are pretty deep into Real Housewives of Cheshire. There are a couple of good things that are redeeming about Cheshire, but it's pretty terrible. But what you're saying about Camille, about like what a misfire it is, that she thinks she is like the eyes and ears of the audience, and it's just a complete yeah. miss. It's a swing and a miss. Like, it's a complete miscalculation. There's a lady on Cheshire that has gone to... There's quite a lot of like quite juicy legal stuff over the years ongoing, but she has positioned herself as like the Kyle of the show and but the show doesn't think that she's Kyle the show thinks that she's a villain mm-hmm. but she still isn't quite with it enough to to realize that she's being painted as the villain every time she appears um that's the only redeeming thing about it but other than that it's pretty terrible but that's sort of where I am with with Cheshire I have to say I think the biggest takeaway from all of this has been that the true contagion of this pandemic has been housewives <laughs> and not, <laughs> not COVID-19 it's easy sure. to spread through your family quicker than wildfire oh we're all hooked my dad did a real thing of like i can't watch that and then like they'd finish every season of beverly hills and i'd get a text from him being like i can't do any more of that trash you know i've got things to be getting on with i'm out cut to facetiming them at like 11 15 a.m the next day (laughs) and then i think and he's watching and i received a text from him one morning being like i've woken up what was he worried about really worried about um just like lisa vanderpump and like pardon (laughs) it might be vanderpump i thought it was denise but it actually might be yeah it was like i'm really worried about what's going to happen in her future or whatever (laughs) like he was so deeply in i did feel like i created a monster because at this point i only watched Beverly Hills up to season six or whatever when I when I clocked out uh, and I was telling these guys to watch it because I was like those just watch the first two seasons because the first two seasons are this incredible um, sort of demonstration of humanity so there was this moment where you guys all like overtook me and had watched stuff I hadn't and I suddenly was like I, I don't know what I've started here because I'm I can't even be a part of the conversations anymore <laughs> with the, my own awful children i sent you a voice memo of me singing um like a choral arrangement of expensive of erica jane's expensive and you replied saying like ha 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 that was kind of all the response i got and then when i brought it up with you you had not really got to the song and just thought i'd gone insane like, there was no like rather than telling me what is this you just left it hanging because i presumed you'd got to erica i didn't know that you stopped watching i had i'd seen I'd seen the song before, but like a very long time ago. And I got a voice note with no explanation of Preston very close to the mic, very high, going, My kitty is a bather. I barely understood what you were saying. So I think quite naturally I said, I mean, slightly nervously. I laughed because it was really funny. I also got it in the middle of having dinner with someone and pressed play not thinking it would be a big deal but at no point yes, but I, I, what is this in reference to <laughs> I didn't feel the need no. to hold your feet to any fire um, so out of all of the seasons that you guys have watched and the various franchises do you have a favourite housewife I Mace. have always been here for Lisa Vanderpump I have to say, in fact, I found watching the dinner party from hell quite hard because it's like old school LVP where everyone loves her. And I've Mm. just watched the Puppygate season uh, and it's so harrowing. Um, Isn't it sad just to see her final days on the show, just her sort of like shuffling awkwardly around Villa Rosa with her Pomeranian and a cup of tea? Like, (laughs) what a 
titan of housewives and that's what she's been reduced to by these I know women. but I did find also that episode recently where they're all doing something together and someone's like where's Lisa and they're like oh she has that event and it just cuts to her at the like huge Indian parade party <laughs> for like gay rights but only for like seven seconds of her and Ken in like f- it's like comedy gold of yeah. them in like full semi-inappropriate like <laughs> sort of traditional Indian garb and then it kind of just cuts back to the lunch or wherever they all are. You know when you've just watched someone, it, there's been so many painful seasons with Lisa where you've just, and I'm sure you'll do an ep on this, but where you just watch her kind of getting trodden down again and again and again. And I've pretty much always been on her side. But mm. then there was something about this last season where I was like, well, maybe there is no smoke without fire and she is just a nightmare. And I have been seeing this wrong i think james and i used to say quite often what was so frustrating with lisa in earlier seasons is often she is right or she has quite a strong argument and you'll see her start making it and then she'll either get interrupted or she kind of goes oh okay then well fine it doesn't yeah. matter whatever and you're like no keep, so annoying. keep going you're in the right i really think it boils down to they think she's like super villain insane british just because she has an english accent do you not think i think she is also super smart but they're all obsessed with this thing of being like uh, she's a bit like bethany in that sense that they're but what i love on real house of, of new york with bethany is that they all just own that bethany just wipes the floor with them and it becomes funnier and funnier as the series go on because you effectively get all the women being like i'm too scared to fight with bethany because she's too clever <laughs> Whereas with Beverly Hills, that feels like it gets turned into this obsession with manipulating and constant chess analogies and this thing of being like, anytime any of them do anything bad, they seem to be like, I fell for it. Yeah. I, you know, I was just doing Lisa's dirty work. She, without ever saying anything, she made me somehow <laughs> say to bring the dog to the play or whatever. And it just, it feels like they just fall back on her constantly. They're all obsessed with, like, talking about how sort of strong they are. But then also, yeah, anytime they do anything wrong, say, well, I, I'm easily manipulated. But it's completely at odds with everything else they say. Like, uh, if you're easily manipulated, then at least acknowledge that rather than, like, pretending that you're sort of independent, you know. Like, they, they, it, the story's never straight. It's always just blamed on Lisa if they need a scapegoat. But also, what's so weird, and, and not to get too into season nine, because obviously that's not what we're here for, but it is funny how much they're all obsessed with this idea of being like, just own that you did this shitty thing but they're also all obsessed with wanting to still be friends with her and Lisa keeps making that very good point of being like why would you want to be friends with me if you think I'm constantly manipulating you it's a fair point and isn't like, it like why can't you just move on and it's like why, why can't you admit to, to doing the thing that you didn't do exactly I have to say every time they replay that clip of Carl going being in a friendship with you is like playing chess with Bobby Fisher I'm like I would never, if Ellie, you said that to me one day, casually, yeah, I don't yeah. think we'd be friends anymore. I know, that's why I only ever sit behind your back. That's the beginning of the end for Lisa, because as soon as Carl said that, then Brandy latches They're on. obsessed with the chess analogy. Yeah. Yeah, Lisa Vanderpump has a really weird trajectory where she sort of like regenerates every two seasons. She's always like one season on, she's the villain, then one season off, and then back on and off again, you know? And it's, I feel like she finally yes. just sort of like ran out. Yeah. She is a true phoenix. She also, as a result of that, has the best opening 
throw me to the wolves and I'll return leading oh. the pack. James loves that line. It's, in fact, didn't you day, pick that favorite. as your favourite? I did. It's working on so many different levels. It's like grand and like it's a clever wordplay because they, they yeah. never fucking string a sentence together, much less use a pun. <laughs> so it just, uh, she's she's playing chess while the rest of them are playing yeah. chess. This is a, a good one. Do, do either of you two have, uh, Preston, do you have a favourite tagline from any of the series? Yeah, either that Vanderpump, uh, I'll return leading the pack. Because I think that, yeah, it's like is genuinely works or I can never remember the first half of it but Kim's one halfway through I, I don't know what the first half is but the second half but I'm one of a kind which is like it's such a like easy out for poor behaviour to be like I behave badly but I'm one of a kind and it's also like such a like laid back approach like how toxic she is like she's got past the point in the first series, I forgot all of the taglines. So watching this episode again, her tagline that's like, um, I was a child star, but my most important role is motherhood or whatever her tagline is. There, there's no acknowledgement of like, I'm a lunatic in that. But but five <laughs> seasons later or whatever, where it's just fully embraced, like, like I can do whatever I want, but I'm one of a kind. And it's also the shot that they play at the same time is like... That's the series where they keep leaving, or I felt like they keep... I think you maybe touched on this in the Camille one, but I never noticed it until that Kim one. Every time they play her... um, I don't know what it would be called, but when she's in her dress and her name comes up, like, before there's a scene with Kim. Her kind of credits, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they, like, leave it on her face for, like, three extra seconds than anyone else to the point where she, like, becomes uncomfortable. Uh, But they keep doing it, so the clip when she's saying, but I'm one of a kind, is, like... (laughs) Her eyes are like reservoirs of fear. She's like dripping with sweat in the clip that they play at the same time. It's like the most frantic, um, poorly behaved thing. So probably that one. But I don't know what the first half of that say, that uh, quote. Is. I don't. I don't care. I. I. I, I quite impressed. I think you should just tag that on the end of any of your bad behaviour. But I'm one of a kind. Mace, what about you? Do you have a? Do you have a favourite tagline? I've got a couple of standouts. Not my favourite by any means, but is it Joyce's that's by a like... country mile. <laughs> the, the thin one? What's the thin one that's oh, like... Yeah. Joyce. Joyce. What, what's the... Jacqueline. <laughs> um, hers is it's just like... You can never be... This can't be your favourite. This should be your favourite. Oh, least this is favorite. my least favourite. Too thin, too pretty, or too rich or something. <laughs> and then... And then awful. In, yeah. Um, I mean, every time Lisa Rinna said, don't hustle the hustler, I died inside. <laughs> and that one sticks with me. But I have to say, I laughed out loud at Denise's one this season 10 about I always get a happy ending. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. You know what else also, before we move past taglines, is the um, the one that I'm struggling with at the moment is the season of New York I'm on, which is Sonia's Sometimes I Just Have to Go Commando, or whatever her <laughs> tagline is. Which, A, is, is a reference to something that only happens halfway through the series, I think, unless I miss something. So for half a series, at least, you're it, there's no context to it at all. But it's also... But like, I mean, are you wondering? It's Sonia. Are you not just like, yep... <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, there's a certain level of acceptance, but that's what's quite dark. I, but the joke, oh, can I watch it with my mum? The joke <laughs> is always that it's literally, you know, sometimes I shit my pants. Like, it's like <laughs> such a revolting yes. thing to admit on TV. But doesn't it have that, like, beautiful button where she's just like, what can I say? You know. it's, it's not that's <laughs> yeah. you feel like it's going to be a pun and it's not a pun and it's not a link to it's not like she's had some sort of army where you know it's not it's not a reference to any it's not witty at all 
it's just it's just revolting i can see this is really this has really got to you Preston. <laughs> i really like luann's first one for that reason which is not a pun at all it's just like i'll never apologize oh. for being privileged and it's like <laughs> usually they have a thing at the end that's like but the jackal blah 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 blah, blah. and i was just like i'm rich like, <laughs> no button at all <laughs> no those are very very good right should we get on to the episode why not Oh, finally, yeah. One of the most iconic, my favourite word. I say iconic a lot at the moment. Uh, but this truly is. Mm-hmm. I think you look up iconic in the dictionary and it's just a picture of Alison Dubois chugging away on that E-cig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like peeking over her glass. It's. I, I want to say, I want to start off by saying, I love in general, this isn't just Housewives specific, but I love a bottle episode where the whole episode just takes place in one scene and it yeah. feels like one continuous take. It's always very exciting when that happens. And this one I love. And the fact that they're all just in Camille's mansion in Malibu, which is just in the middle of nowhere by the sounds of it. It's very like, and then there were none, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, they're all going to get picked off one by one. It's got a very Marple Hotel feel. Yeah. Like even when they yeah. arrive and they're all looking out like they've all got their cocktails and they're looking out at the view and it's very the setup of like a whodunit where they're all like this is amazing and it all starts really well and there's that lovely calm for the storm where they're all just like laughing and getting on (laughs) and then like the soundtrack just slowly starts like a heartbeat sound (laughs) underneath the entire episode it's basically going And the house just is on like a craggy reef as well. So you do get the impression there's going to be a big storm and then like going to destroy the only bridge out of here. So they have to stay the night. (laughs) There's a shot right at the end where it just cuts back to the house lit up in the dark. And it does look like Disneyland's like haunted mansion or something where... For for as much as Kyle labours the House of Horrors thing, you're right, the whole thing does have a kind of Cornish murder mystery feel. Yes. Ooh, I think Kyle refers to it as Disneyland's House of Horrors or Horror Castle or something. She gets it so I mean, I mean multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, she... never gets it right. Yeah. No, it drives me, as a Disneyland guy, it drives me mad that she's never once just says Haunted Mansion. Right. It's not, she yeah. like gives it four different names. I just want to have a moment for, because... We all love Lisa Vanderpump here. Clearly, we're on the same wavelength here. We kind of vibe with her. And I think it's genius, her answering machine message that she does. And <laughs> I always remember so it. Good. And every time I rewatch this episode, it's amazing how long she makes it go on for. I don't think it's I could weird. commit to that. I do it for a couple of okay, seconds, maybe. I, not to toot my own horn, but when I was like 11, 12, I had the exact same oh, answering okay. machine <laughs> message. I she actually think LVP okay. got it from me. Um, and everyone fell for it. And it was and it went on about as long as hers did with a whole thing of being like, hello? Oh, hi. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just having a whole conversation. And all it means is you get a load of answer phone messages from people being like, what? She hung up. I didn't like, hello? Like, it's it's not practical. So it's not good. Um, but I always feel secretly chuffed in that moment because I'm like... Great minds. <laughs> but exactly. Great minds. Great pranksters. She did pick the best oh, person to play it on in Camille as well. Yeah. I don't know. She's such a lamb to the school. Camille's so... Hu- she's so humorless about it. Yeah. She, she's like, oh, that's brilliant. Oh, my God. That's oh, so that's, funny. Oh, my God. That's so good. Oh, Lisa, I just fell for that. <laughs> Lisa, it was a real reminder of how GSOH Vanderpump is. She's so up for a lot, like one of the most joyous moments in any good sense of humour. <laughs> I was there going, awkward Preston no, just missed out, gosh. 
Um, but her walking the like, doesn't she walk like an alpaca through Carl's house at one point? Like, she's the only one mm, who consistently yeah. has a sense of humour that that is like she likes a practical joke. Yeah, she's got a proper sense of humour rather than just like she can understand what a joke is. Because she's so freaking clever. Um, <laughs> my mind is so, so overwhelmingly clever. <laughs> but no, like she likes to have a it's laugh. It's all part and, of the manipulation. The show misses that at the moment. No one knows how to have a laugh at the moment. Yes, absolutely. Is there anything else, would you say, in the episode, in the kind of build-up of the episode, worth noting before we get to um, drinks on the terrace? I love Camille saying, I can't wait to take a break from the drama. Uh, I don't know if you remember, yeah. she says that beforehand and it's just the most ominous. She says, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, <laughs> and when you're kind of yeah. re-watching it, knowing what's coming. <laughs> well, they really lay on thick, this thing of like, I think it's going to be a really nice evening. But they know, you don't bring fucking Alison Dubois, who you literally say at the beginning of the episode, when she drinks, she hits below the belt. Yeah. And then ply her with cocktails. <laughs> I mean, it's the most amazing uh, thing to say about a friend on TV, pre them literally. Like, it's such a bold intro. I also just love the fact that within the first 15 minutes of the show, we get told upwards of four times that there's a show called Medium (laughs) that has Patricia Arquette in it. And can I just say about a medium? I went on Alison Dubois' website earlier today and I watched some of her (gasps) YouTube videos about who she is and. Also, in them, within two seconds, she says, it's a show called Medium where Patricia Arquette plays me. And I just found it so funny that that's the tagline that she says, like, every single time. And I hate to say it, but, like, does anyone know who Patricia Arquette is that well? As a thing, like, they always... I was going to say, it was, like, a very... She's very much a respected actress. I mean, she's an Oscar winner. And it was, like, very much a show that I... Yeah, she was in Boyhood. No, she's, like, a very legit actress. And it's a legit show. I never watched it, but I've very much heard of it but it's almost it does the opposite the more she brings it up and refers to herself with regard to it the more she tricks me into thinking it's a made-up show and delegitimizes <laughs> sure it. do you know what i mean she also just... keeps saying it's based on my life which i've not seen the show but i think i object to i don't necessarily know if it's based on her life or just based on a lady that can communicate with the dead. I would love it if you watched the show and there was an episode where Patricia Arquette goes to a dinner <laughs> full, of, <laughs> yeah. full of very rigid ladies. She makes and it sound them like all. it's sort of like her life story, which I've got a feeling the show isn't. I've got a feeling it's just a lady solving crimes and talking to it, guys. It's to do with someone that profiles serial killers right sure okay for the yes it seems to be but i think it's a bold thing to say it's based on my life when it's like based on elements it's based on enough of your life where they can say based on a true story i'm sure i i just want to know it's just if anyone knows anyone that's watched medium like i feel like no one i think that's what i meant more than it wasn't i didn't mean to take a low blow at patricia arquette patricia more to do with the fact that they keep they keep talking about the show as if they're being like you know the oc or something where everyone's like yes Yes. it's like that's that's adam brody like (laughs) it's it's the thing that they keep going. It's very weird not to be like, I have a friend called Alison. And she, also, I kind of feel like the fact that she's a medium is more interesting. The fact that she profiles serial killers is more interesting than the fact that there's a show in which she's a consultant about someone who does what she does. They're also yeah. sycophantic that the TV thing, I think, is more exciting than the actual... Yeah. But isn't the point that Kelsey and Camille produce Medium, so this yes. is almost yes. acting as an advert for the show? Oh. That's such a good point, yeah. It's, it's a way of, it's an indirect brag on Camille's part. Which goes horribly wrong. 
Exactly. No, exactly. Before we move too deep into the episode, I, I feel like we haven't quite established what an extreme thing that is to say about someone, not only that you're introducing for the first time to other friends, but introducing on TV is, this is my friend and she's an alcoholic. She's coming. Yes. Camille's first little spiel about Alison, she says it like she's reading an auto cue. She says it like they've never really hung out in their entire life. Yeah. She's like, my friend Alison Dubois... Uh, she, you know she's like she's a medium and she does readings and um you know but i know that when she drinks she really hits below the belt and you're like why why tell me that such a weird introduction <laughs> to say to i would be so gutted if that was my first introduction to these people well, especially if you then saw the edit of how much they show you drinking on <laughs> yeah, the show sure. <laughs> It's just so oddly specific that Camille would be like, and she's one of my dearest friends, but I will say that when she has a drink and then people call her dear friends insecure and say, you know, what? why would anyone be interested in you without Kelsey there? She really hits below the belt. It's like, why? <laughs> yeah, it's a very strange statement from Camille. But then Camille's a weird person. I also mm-hmm. find it really odd, the scene where Camille's in her closet with Dee Dee. Um, I was watching it and I was trying to think, is this how Mason and I would interact if we were trying to pick an outfit? And it's the bit when she's going through the lingerie and she's like, you know, because I wear it around the house all the time since I'm on my own all the time or whatever. And you're like, this is just very sad. It's so upsetting. <laughs> but also like weirdly sexual, like you're fl- like Dee Dee's like a boy you brought home where you're trying to be like, mm, this is all my lingerie. I have a theory that when Kelsey marries his new wife and then she moves into the house that Dee Dee stays on and it's like a bit like a Rebecca situation where she's like obsessed with Camille <laughs> and she's like you can't touch Camille's lingerie but she just like sits there and like rubs it against her face you know and it's like preserved beautifully the previous Mrs. Grammar DD <laughs> like I've just watched Camille's latest wedding and I'm just sort of like Where's Dee Dee now? Where's Dee Dee? She never. Do you know what, that guys? Such a good point. I don't want to break this to you, but I did a bit of a deep dive, and they're not on speaking terms anymore. Dee Dee. No. no. Why? Yeah, and it actually really broke my heart. Um, I was listening to God knows what kind of podcast, and Dee Dee was a guest, and she was talking about her new life in the Pacific Northwest, and she just said, "Are you friends with Camille anymore?" And she said, "No." Wow, a firm no. <laughs> They're actively not speaking. I can imagine, based on what we've seen, it must be very exhausting to be Camille's friend. I've never seen someone so obsequious and who just lives their life through yes. someone else as I have with Dee Dee and Camille. That's the thing is that closet scene is just Camille needing to be told how great she is. Yeah. Or it's just her going through being like, this is a really nice dress of mine. This is a really nice dress of mine. This one's really sexy. And Dee Dee just has to sort of stand there being like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That she really seems sexy. happy to do it. That's what's so like... She- she, she, I totally. think there's a point in Beverly Hills where Mikey starts to hate Erica Jane, but Dee Dee seems to just be happy to be that yes person constantly. Yep. Until now. I do feel like also I'd forgotten that Dee Dee existed in the show until rewatching the episode, and it did remind me that I think until Rinna, she is the biggest villain in Real Housewives <laughs> of Beverly Hills. <laughs> I think she's the most malicious character until Lisa Rinna joins the show. Do I don't you? think anyone is as outwardly malicious as Dee Dee until Rinna joins. Oh, why so? It brought back feelings and I couldn't give you a specific because it's so it's it's too long since I watched it. But I think she's such a yes person in the most agree in, a, in the nastiest way and it just flared up. I can't remember why I feel like she's such a villain, but I do remember at the time thinking she is like I think because she's the girl that stands behind the bully. I think at you least, yes, like yes, at, at least some yeah, of them are just the bully. And Rinna is doesn't stand behind the bully, but Rinna, like I think, takes over that mantle as like she pretends she's not a bully, but she's a bully. But for me, yeah, Dee Dee is just like happy to let Camille be horrible and laugh along 
it's it's a really ugly trait, you know. It reminds Sorry. me of that poem, the like the one about the Nazis, where it's like, first they came for <laughs> these people, and I yeah, said nothing. Yeah, sure. That's yeah, sure. Dee Good, Mason's and I'm Jewish, so I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> yep. Like hit that point. Like you don't razz on people that much. I think you're too kind <laughs> to some people. Well, because after the Elise cameo, we discovered that people actually might listen. To yeah, it. we're gonna get a cameo from Dee Dee next. She's gonna come for us. You know, if you enter the arena, you might get more by a lion. I think that if you're putting yourself out there, like, you know, there's a chance that people could criticise you. Is that a Brené Brown quote, by any chance? (laughs) I think it's from the poem Macy quoted. (laughs) (laughs) And then the lions came. And then the lions came. It does really make me laugh when when Dee Dee makes the toast where she's like, we're all alpha women here. I think we are. And you're like, Didi, you're not you're an alpha woman. And Kim is certainly not an alpha woman. Didi's not even a beta woman. She's like a gamma woman. She's like way down the alpha there. She's nowhere near alpha. Camille does it. Didi does it on Camille's behalf. Brandy later does it. Who else does it? There's someone in... Oh, oh Kelly does it, I think. And again, it ties... I, I, your Camille episode does is so what? fresh in my mind. But it ties into your Camille episode of like, I'm one of the guys. They all do the thing of... Why do girls hate me? You know, and Dee Dee yeah. does that in this episode. She does that really ugly thing when she goes, um, you know, people put us alpha women down. And you're right. You're like, A, you're not an alpha. The rest of the table may be alphas, but Dee Dee is not. Only a non-alpha could make a speech <laughs> being like, here's to all the but alpha exactly, women. It's not alpha behavior, but also it's such a nasty, like, I'm not like the other girls trait to be like, why do other women hate me so much? You know, it's a very ugly. Yeah, yeah well, she does it. There's, It's like a big thing with the, I find it very weird, that bit with Camille, where Dee Dee's saying about how women are always insecure around Camille. And it's like, they've developed this weird narrative together where it's like all women are catty and insecure because you're so great, Camille. And it's just like a very, very odd dynamic to have where Dee Dee basically feels close to her purely by being like, because I defer to you to prove I'm not jealous of you. It's like Dee Dee has to be as like blunt as possible. And I don't mean blunt as indirect. I mean like matte in order so that Camille can like shine. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, there's no end game there because... It's like if I had that friendship with you, Ellie, and I conditioned you into thinking that if anyone didn't like you, it's because they were jealous of you. It then means I could never have any kind of disagreement with you or a falling out as friends are want to do without you being... I mean, it's worked for us okay so far. For sure, yeah, (laughs) I know, as you were. (laughs) Yeah, right? Okay, I I also, I just want to say... Do we have any more thoughts about Dee Dee? I have nothing more to say. (laughs) That you made your position very clear. (laughs) No, I mean, I would be interested to remember why I don't like her so much. Uh, Us too, but... (laughs) Um, But no, I have have nothing else to say about about Dee Dee, no. James, where would you like to take us? I just want to linger on this for a second, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way, and I'm no fashionista by any means, but why, if you knew you were going to be on television at a cocktail party with the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, would you wear some beige chinos and, like, a white cardigan... And just a load of like titty turquoise jewelry. It is such a bizarre outfit. They talk in the episode. The dress code specifically is cocktail attire, yes. and they've also so not even is it a weird outfit. It also is against the dress code. Yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. biggest yeah. sin you could commit in this show. 
Maybe that's why. Maybe it was a pointed thing. Because we know that Alison is a rogue. She goes against the grain. But that's the only thing I can think of. I don't know how she could it, have looked herself in the mirror before she left her house. And <laughs> yeah, this is the one. This is how one. It honestly looks like she got the whole thing from that shop Kitson's that Dorrit <laughs> is really excited to get her swimwear in. Where they then show the clip where the woman's like, imagine it, you're driving down the boulevard and you look in the store window of Kitson's. <laughs> And you see Beverly Beach and then they cut the store and it literally looks like an outlet store in like Hull. <laughs> the outfits are bizarre. Alison's in particular is... But also uh, Kyle's caftan belted short. I wanted to have a moment of... for Kyle's caftan, yeah. Oof. It's short and it's, she's got a black skirt underneath that's very reminiscent of how I used to dress in my late teens at school when there was a style of just putting a black vest as a skirt mm. and then like a tank top. Yeah, it's very late 2000s because she has like she has like the Gok Wan big chunky belt. belt She looks so like she's been on ten years younger, and he's like, "You need to bring the waist in, but with a floaty caftan that shows that you're like not afraid to use color." (laughs) It's such a shame because Kyle very occasionally can get it so right, uh, but like so often just gets it so wrong. And she also, I would say, like has the best body of the housewives but is like yes, yeah. crippled with insecurity about it because mm. she's not a twig and the way she dresses is very like trying to hide the like waist often which is when she ends up with yeah. those very low like waistline and belts and it just doesn't work and I just feel like she's so beautiful especially it's such a shame because early Kyle do you remember when she was like against surgery kind yeah, of against yeah. Botox yes. when she cried when Mauricio's mum got a facelift it's like, so weird looking at Kyle now and then watching an early episode and piecing together oh that's the same person I know and now she's yeah. so you know um, but the the caftans are just not good this is a wider point about Beverly Hills fashion because I had an argument with uh, it was a lot of people against me the other day on this point <laughs> um, where were you? Where were you? Oh, you were like on, a, on an online forum or something. No more like, than six people and all. Um, uh, on a WhatsApp group where I made a claim that I didn't think was that controversial, but I think is quite controversial about fashion in Beverly Hills housewives in general, about the newer stuff. Yeah. Out of yeah. Everyone, Sutton. Sutton, I think... <laughs> I don't hate her style, but I think she's the only housewife, certainly in the in the series at the moment, but probably in all the series, that isn't trying to dress like a teenager. She's the only housewife that has something that in, individual about her fashion. I mean, I got absolutely roasted for trying to make that point. but And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. But I appreciate that she at least has an individual thing with her fashion rather than Dorit, who's someone I feel like has just bought something that was labelled... It's covered in Louis Vuitton logos. It's covered in Louis Vuitton logos. Or, you know, either trying to do a different style or, like, trying to dress like a teenager. I admire that Sutton has an individual style. I realise this is off topic. No, I get it. And I appreciate that. I think she very much gives off, like, an Adina in Ab Fab vibe. Where she's just like, like, the clothes are wearing her. And it's just, like, all haute couture. Which I kind of have to respect. Rather than just the rest of them these days. Where they just seem to, yeah, all wear just, like, Louis Vuitton pyjamas everywhere. Yes. And that's... I mean, I can't comment because I don't know who we're talking about. But, um... Co-host of the Real Housewives podcast, (laughs) Ellie But... I will say, re-watching this episode and coming from watching season nine where Dorit has found the... Um... Her name's Dorit as well, Ellie. I feel like we should well, clear this I up. I like to say Dorit, yeah. I like to call her Dorit. 
Great. Mace is my best friend, and I was calling her Macy for the first year of our friendship. Her name is Macy. Um, <laughs> well, I can't remember how I used to say it, but I used to say it wrong. I used to call her Maisie. Oh, yeah. I used to call her Maisie until a year into our friendship, her dad turned around to me and said, you do realise her name is Macy. <laughs> No, it wasn't, as we- it wasn't as obvious as that. You would call me Maisie, I would say, one in five times that you yeah. said my name, which is why I never corrected it, because it was too weird. That's weird, like, but it's inconsistent. The incons- If you just said it wrong all the time, I would correct you. Sometimes I would panic. Panic. I could see the like- panic. James's face is very I would be confused like, it's right like Mace. I would be like, it's like May. in the same way I might say like, hey, a, B, C. So I would say this C like it was an, a Z, like Maisie. But I still knew it was a C. I wasn't, I didn't think your name was Maisie. Yeah. Ellie, I, I don't just, want to pile I, on here and get you in trouble, but you call her Maisie to me. I thought her name was Maisie <laughs> until I started getting texts from her. And I was like, oh, it's Maisie. No. <laughs> That's not now. true. <laughs> All I'm saying is I went into this thinking that Macy was called Maisie. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's anyone's fault, but that's the way. I get scared. I get scared of a sibilant C. I I get scared to go too hard on the C. And so sometimes I would panic. Anyway, I like to call her Dorit because it's how she speaks and the way that she's like, Kyle, Kyle, when she speaks like that, it's like Dorit, even though it's Dorit. Anyway... I was in the middle of talking about her hair and I was going to say in this episode, I very much feel that Adrian Malouf and her gold streaks walked so oh that people God. like Dorit could run. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell um, is she wearing as well? Some like little secretary black tube dress with like these weird patterned stockings. Weird stocking tights. Yeah. And yeah. her, um, a classic like block colour satin. They always did very well on Beverly Hills that everyone has like a colour yeah, or a pattern. a jewel tone. Around mm. the table. Right. Um, so we have drinks on the terrace and we have that wonderful moment speaking about um, how like five billion times they talk about the show Medium. One of my favourite moments of the episode is when Lisa Vanderbump just goes, gosh, I must watch it. <laughs> it's too good. <laughs> With exactly the face yeah. of every person ever when I tell them that they should watch Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the face that Mace had on that Eurostar. <laughs> So then they all get around the table, don't they? And they have these massive thrones with that weird pattern. Massive thrones and massive, massive yeah, drinks. Can we massive talk about what's in the drink? There's things floating Lavender. in there. Yeah. Yeah. There's, they're like a witchy brew. There's like juniper <laughs> berries. Like, and I just like, feel like they have staff that can make fancy things. Why don't they look better? Like, I don't understand. Exactly. They look like when you're a kid and you like say you're going to make a drink for your parents and you're like, I'm going to put grapes in there and some grass and cranberry juice. And then you're like, it's a cocktail. And you've put it in like the fishbowl. So cocktails aside also, like, I think it's easy to lose sight of how hideous most of the interior design on the show is. If I went around someone's yeah. house and sat in a throne, I'd feel like a prick. I don't understand how you wouldn't be embarrassed sitting on a throne to eat dinner. I know, it's like the next season when they all drink out of, like, goblets at, uh, at Adrian's house. <laughs> it's like... I really don't understand how they're, they're all so out of touch that none of them are find it weird that they're all sitting on thrones. Or none of them ever go, this room's quite weird. Yes, exactly. I mean, they're all very rich, but with no taste, yeah. really, whatsoever. So... They're all sat around the table and uh, 
And so begins two of my favourite um, running themes of the rest of the episode. <laughs> Number one is the constant cutting to Alison's drink face. <laughs> First of all, how weird it is that she doesn't... I don't know about you guys, but I think I like close my eyes or I like look into the drink when I'm drinking. I don't maintain eye contact. <laughs> with If I, I have a glass now, I don't go... <laughs> Mm. Also, I don't know how she manages to. I suppose because the drink's so big that the drink doesn't cover her face. She's just like, <laughs> and she's sort of somewhere between like squinting and smirking, <laughs> but and like at who? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that from Alison. There's a lot of this from Adrian. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but she she does like that lizard thing where whenever she has a glass of wine, she'll go like and like stick her tongue out yeah. <laughs> as she's. she's like when she has that big fight with Brandy, she's like, she's gonna get slapped with a lawsuit with that one, and then like sticks her tongue out. That's very much her yes. trademark. But Alison's, it's like I don't really know if the show just keeps cutting to the same clip or whether she really does that every single time she has. A it's weird to do it once. Like it's not. Yeah. Yeah, but like again and again, and especially because they often like kind of cut the music while she's doing it, cut. and then cut to the, all the women separately, kind of being like the the medium's really weird. <laughs> who sat next to me and then it's just her again being like I quite like that with the um, medium thing they don't paint uh, later when they try and like recapture the the Dubois lightning in a bottle and they'll have like Kyle (laughs) will have a psychic come to a house and it's always just boring like they always have like sort of either like Adam's Family theme tune or like sort of like haunting music (laughs) I like there's none of that with Alison there's no like here's this mystery figure. She's just like the most unwelcome guest. There's not really much of a sort of build up to her saying, I know how your kids will die. (laughs) But she serves so much so quickly. So the other thing that she comes in so hard with before they've even eaten is her obsession with it being a girl's night. I don't think I ever knew a girls' night was so like important and sacred a thing until I met Alison Dubois. Because it's a girls' night, but it's also, it's a Saturday night. And we know how she gets when it's a Saturday. It's a, yes. Oh, God. Because she's we still know. young. It's like when two moons, it's like an eclipse. Like, they come together. It's also like, like when you you're know, doing something. Life. I don't know if you've had this with a grandparent <laughs> or whatever, but when someone keep when you're doing something, someone keeps going this is going to be a lovely memory. When you're like, well, it's not if you keep saying what a nice memory it's going to be. Uh, yeah, like you're trying to happen. forge something that just isn't happening. The Dubois thing is like, either she's never had a girl's night or she's like so desperate for it to be something it's not. Yeah, she keeps hammering. We're not meant to be good. It's fine. <laughs> We're not supposed like, no to be good. Is, no one else is addressing. It's like just a dinner party. <laughs> But that makes sense. She says it. She says it like strippers are about to come in. Like, like they've all been like best friends for ten years, and it's like because ladies, we're not supposed to be good. Hit it, <laughs> and then like the Chippendales are coming. But it's like a group of strangers. The idea, if any of you introduce me to your friends, and me being like even <laughs> even the equivalent of being like. Because we're having a fun night out, right? Yeah. Are you with me? This is yeah. this is a good night, right? You'd be like, oh, because chill it's, it's not just like we're meant to be bad. It's we're meant to be bad in a controlled setting. And it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, the small print. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like she's got a curfew. Like, we're meant to be bad, but I can't be home too late. Like, <laughs> right. Oh my god! Especially when you're numb to what housewives generally like as a franchise is like. They're all so out of touch and so insane and so intense and self-obsessed that 
minor things that no one like the smallest thing they'll do if you did in a conversation with me i'd think that was weird but they're all operating at like such a high frequency that things that just in normal life would be insane just don't even get touched upon like her saying i mean obviously it's edited to be funny we're not meant to be good but none of them are going why is she saying that whereas if you said that in a conversation everyone would think what's wrong with ellie you know but they're all like just sort of camille thinks that that's normal behavior to say something like that and it's so far removed it's also so great i swear to god that every time they cut back to her her glass gets bigger it's like (laughs) me it's like a comedy sketch where i like french and saunders would would do it so well where like every time it cuts back the glass is like covering more and more of her face and the cigarettes bigger (laughs) there's a real continuity nightmare with that glass because it just like is different every time and then it cuts back one time and there's two like she's clearly been served another one (laughs) and one's half empty and then it's like it's just too funny they must have not believed their luck like i mean the thought of sending her another drink and just going let's get her deeper and deeper and deep i mean i bet they could again like the jinx i think one of those moments not to spoil anything where you're like we gotta run with this exactly because i imagine that they thought what it would be good for would be the fact that she is a medium and she might throw out an accusation or something which leads me to one of the things i find strangest about this episode which is within the like 10 times that they've told us that she's a medium and it was all part of the introductions and she's introducing herself as this this thing about her being off the clock and Camille and Dee acting as if it's really inappropriate that they're all asking her to do something if one of and I know as you've just said anything from housewives in normal context would be weird but if one of you two invited me to like a dinner and there was someone there where before I came to the dinner you were like he's the most incredible magician honestly you will like you would not believe what an amazing magician he is they're doing a whole Netflix show about him and then at the dinner you were like this is Barry he's the most incredible magician and he was like they're doing a whole Netflix show about my magic it would be quite weird if I just went cool and then never was like so are we going to see some magic and then if you were all like that's really inappropriate that's really inappropriate to ask him to do magic no she's dedicated her entire personality and her life to a lie and a lie that puts her in the center of things like you're right it's so weird to be like i'm off the clock yeah after like dedicating your life i'm gonna lie that i could talk to the dead and then i'm gonna be funny if people ask me about it i do agree but then i also do find kyle she's so annoying in this scene because then she's like go on give me a reading give me a reading and then allison says just be prepared because stuff might come out that you don't want to hear and kyle's an idiot if she's on this show filming and doesn't think that someone's going to say that her husband's having an affair or something of that ilk and then kyle's like well can you just give me the good stuff and it's just like it doesn't work like that. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, uh, hard, hard disagree. I agree. Hard disagree. I have to come in because I'll forget this. Uh, such a hard disagree because hypothetically, you saying it doesn't work like that. Like, hypothetically, if, if Alison Dubois genuinely had psychic powers... If I was in that situation at a dinner party with people I'd never met, maybe I didn't like one of them, and I genuinely had psychic powers... To me, this is as much proof she doesn't have psychic powers as anything else. 
I would feel like, what's my responsibility with these powers? Probably my responsibility is not to say anything bad unless I'm be- unless that is what I'm being asked to do. If someone said, so go on, do a reading for me, and I was receiving her husband's having an affair, I probably wouldn't say it. So there's no version of it where you can give Alison Dubois the benefit of the doubt because she's even even if the power's real and she goes, you might not like it, just don't say that stuff. You can still be I nice agree. and be psychic. Exactly. I'm well, like... We clearly established at this point that Alison is mental. So it's like, I, I just have no I sympathy for Kyle. It's like, what do you I expect? know, but I love the way that she jumps, that she's like, she's... <laughs> I love the way that Kyle's like, maybe you could just go with something light and Alison's like straight yeah. in with your husband will never emotionally fulfill you and it's like oh not quite the light couldn't you have just been like your grandma says hi yeah, exactly. like, I feel like my like, theory is that Alison's having a rough time at home with her husband or boyfriend Camille's gone come over let's have a girls night I'll introduce you to my women. We'll have a really nice time. Alison's drunk too much because she's having some troubles at home and then gone in <laughs> real deep on the marriages of everyone else around the table. Which is why she keeps saying girls' night, you know, repeating what Camille sold to her. <laughs> well, this exactly. is another thing I wanted to make, that Alison, after saying, you might not like some of what I have to say, she then says to Kyle... Oh, in my mind, you get married twice. So that's a really good thing that your husband at the moment is your second husband. So he's the one for you. And I thought it like could have been framed as a joke. Like you could have taken it and run with it and caused some drama. Or you could have just been like, woof, you, ha ha ha. And then like moved on to the next thing. Yeah. And I just feel that Kyle really took the bait there. I think there's clearly a cut though in between because it is a weird shift that she makes between saying oh well I thought you got married again but it turns out this is your second husband Carl responds doesn't really have a sense of humour but like it's sort of fine and then the next thing Alison Dubois says straight after that is he'll never emotionally fulfil you so I I mean what she actually says is he will never emotionally fulfil you ever oh yeah (laughs) but it feels like I'm sure from the reactions it was a like in the room it would have felt like naught to sixty, but something from the middle is gone. Something's yeah. gone missing. I think these shows generally it's always weird to I was really thinking watching this episode how much happened in the order they actually showed it because it's a beautiful arc and I'm not yeah. sure I believe that the arc happened in that way. So for instance, Camille coming in with the Faye Resnick stuff, we don't really get a clear sense of what happens when in this dinner. And it's the same at the end of the dinner when they're making comments. It's not it's not 100% clear. I I like to see the best in people. So I'm really hoping that it was the editing. But some of the awful things Alison says that we'll come on to later, when it's mm-hmm. cutting to Camille and Dee laughing, it did occur to me that I was like, that could be very cleverly cut together. But there are shots of the three of them the together where they're them. not they're doing what any normal shots. person would do and go, you have to stop saying that Camille takes a drink at some point but like not really like she they don't try and stop her when you when they can't edit around it should we so so should we talk about Camille getting into it with Faye because I think yes. that sort of starts off like yes. the real like roller coaster peak of the evening yeah I have to jump in with a with with Camille and Faye in when Camille in her confessional says oh I knew I recognized her with the um with the fake lips and the, she says, and she also does that amazing thing where she goes, um, "It's again, it's a great Camille talking head." Where she's like, 
I think it's the extensions and the bone up fake lips, but um, and yes, that, she, um, she pauses she does for a that laugh thing of trying that, to... that doesn't come, and she also doesn't know what exactly. she's going to say next, so it's like not able to improvise. But but yeah, it's, it's also like delivered with. I think about separate to the episode that vox pop quite a lot in like housewives context. It's like if an alien tried to like absorb as much about sort of how to like replicate a human as they could and attempted like humor like it's not i've yes, never yeah. heard anyone ever deliver a joke with that cadence ever i've never known anyone speak like that or like it's such a weird she rushes over the punchline it completely shit and then she pauses for a laugh <laughs> and to work out what she's gonna say but it, n- none of it delivers on anything that it seems a joke should deliver on it you know what it reminds me of james the the thing you were saying last week about when she when they're all doing British accents. She, <laughs> yes. That made me laugh. What did she say? My rat. Cover your rat. <laughs> <laughs> she really like built herself up for it as well. Like nothing ever that anyone else has ever said or spoken like anyone. It's such an unusual um she's so in her own world. It's also very strange to have that as your dig at Faye Resnick when you literally have the most blown up fake body right. of the group. Like, it's, yeah. it's a very odd thing to go in on. It's also odd that she goes in so hard on Faye Resnick. Again, I don't know if it's a cut thing, but it does come out of kind of nowhere, this bit when she's like, oh, I know Faye. And then she's saying about, she recognised from Playboy. And there's a bit when she's like, that's her. And it's like, she's there. Yeah, It's a a very weird thing to do about someone at your table as a guest, as if they're not there. Again, like an alien has like, it's not, it it doesn't feel like it's coming naturally to any of it at all. But yeah, that's her. It's like one time, actually me and Macy both did it when we were younger, did a voiceover for a, um, like an audio book that was to teach Spanish kids English. And the sentences that you had to say were all like... The morally corrupt Faye Resnick. <laughs> the morally corrupt Faye Resnick. Right, but it was right. all like, I'd like to order an apple sandwich. It was like senti- <laughs> like not real sentences. But Camille talks in that weird, like, um, yeah, that's... it's Firstly, the performance when she says that, like, oh, that's why I know her from is terrible. But also, it's just not... The, the, the way she's like strung the sentence together is so unusual it's impossible to pinpoint what's wrong with it but you yeah. know in your gut that something is wrong with it absolutely Camille feels like the kind of person you could poke with a stick and an alien could come out yes yeah, sure. sure yeah I have a theory that she just like goes to the bathroom and doesn't go to the bathroom she just like sits there and like eats toilet paper for like <laughs> a minute or so is it under the skin the film where she's like eating the cake and like yes yeah, so, yeah like, she's very uh, she's very scar and under the skin yeah, isn't exactly. she yeah. <laughs> um also spanish audiobooks i had no idea the caliber of our guests i've tried I so know. hard to get hold of that audiobook and have not been able to find it because it was the most unusual thing we did I love that in your intro, I didn't even say what you guys do. You're literally just on as as friends. I was thinking that, like, there's no reason why we're here and everyone wants us gone, I think. Oh, shit. (laughs) To to be fair, there's no reason why James and I are here. Like, no one listening to this knows what we do either. (laughs) So, why, you know, if it ain't broke. Um, Can I just say, though, for every gaff that Camille has given us for every shit joke delivered terribly for every like wow she's pernicious or like the Jesus complex thing she will always have 
the morally corrupt Faye Resnick, which I'm sorry is one of the most succinct and cutting one-liners we've ever had on Housewives. And it's followed Faye Resnick around to this day. So she'll always have that. When Kyle says on the phone at the beginning, can I bring my friend along? I was just thinking, yes, you can, Kyle. It's going to give us such deep joy. Like the murder mystery thing we were talking about, the fact that you have 15 minutes of build-up and when you go, it's the first time I've, oh no, actually I've rewatched the episode before, but it's, the first time I've rewatched the episode with an understanding, like in a wider context of the series, and there's so much information delivered in that first fifteen. If it was a murder mystery, then the the twist would be, oh my god, of course they mention it in the first fifteen minutes. There's so much of that. Can yes. I bring my friend along? Uh-huh. Like totally. there's so many like seeds planted in that. It's like the sort of first act of the episode. Yeah, that feels That's like so filler, true. and it's actually not filler. It's so important that build up. I also really do. I look controversial opinion maybe i don't i don't like faye resnick particularly but i actually agree with faye in this episode yeah and um first of all i think she actually has a really good sense of humor about the playboy thing Mm. where um it's so brilliant that camille goes after her for the playboy thing faye just kind of is like yeah i did playboy and i looked fucking great and immediately they're like camille tries to embarrass her with the spread Right, and then and immediately like, they're just like, and... Camille, didn't you do Playboy? And Camille just has no sense of humour about it whatsoever. And it has to no. be a bit like, um, yeah, but I, you know, I, but I wasn't naked. Um, yeah, face so good in this Her set. joke, like, completely face. backfires. But it just blows up in, in her face. And then we immediately establish this thing of them saying, effectively, that they're two camps. And both parties denying it. So Kyle's denying that she brought Faye as backup. And Camille's denying that Alison's there to embarrass Kyle or to make her look bad and one thing I I definitely call bullshit on is this whole thing of Alison saying she had no idea and her being like no 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 she doesn't talk to me about that stuff a I agree with Faye I'd find it really weird if I had fallen out with someone really badly who I didn't know that well and I was bringing Mace to something it would be very weird for Mm -hmm. me not to have told her Mm -hmm. we had a massive falling out where she Mm-hmm. called me a delusional bitch or she she is accusing me of this or whatever so i think it's really weird that they're all trying to pretend that their friends don't know or yeah. like i agree with what faye's saying where she's like i don't believe you haven't spoken to them about this and you're trying to to pretend that it's such a weird housewives trope in general like i do not believe for a second that dorit would say would go to hong kong get like torn apart by Erica and Rinna and Eileen Davidson and then come home and like a few days later when they happen to be filming PK's like so babe tell me about the holiday that is the weirdest never mentioned anything (laughs) until a point she's like oh yeah do we think that how how far because I agree that that yeah obviously Alison knows about it but how far do you think because because I don't think that Kyle has said I'm not a huge Kyle fan but in this situation I I don't think Kyle has said to Faye, go out of your way to, like, embarrass Camille. But it does seem like Camille has said to Alison, embarrass Kyle. D- but I can't work out how... I can't work out whether Camille has just filled her in and hoped Alison... Because pl- she's a weird dinner guest to bring if you weren't hoping for something like this. I was going to say, I think that she's a weapon in so far that she knows that she hits below the belt. But I, t- to be honest, I think Alison and Dee Dee and Faye are all just there as backup. I don't think they're there to be sure. weaponized. And... What happens next? None of them kind of... They're all acting as if it's like, oh, this is exactly what your plan was for this to happen. But I don't think that anyone could have planned for, you know, Alison being like, you have legs too. Oh Oh my God. The leg thing. (laughs) You got two legs last time we checked. 
Admit it, Faye, you're only here to back up Kyle. But for that to really be true, other than I need a friend to come and support me because I'm just g- going, you know, against crazy people, Kyle would have had to have known that Alison Dubois would be there and give her a reading that was, like, that toxic to then bring... Camille's argument seems completely sort of null and void because it's not... It relies on Camille's behaviour for Faye to be there properly as backup. Exactly. But... God, no, God, I'm so glad that this episode happens. We get such great... I think I'd forgotten until I watched back how many great quotes come out of this episode. James and I always talk about the cadence of the women on this show. They have this amazing, like, sing-songy cadence. And one of the most iconic ones in this episode is when Kyle goes... When Camille's like, that's who I am, Kyle. <laughs> and she's like, no, that's not who you are, Camille. That's who you are pretending to be. I one of my favourites is... Monday. Whenever life gets a bit too much for me, I'm at work, I'm a bit overwhelmed. I have the sound of Taylor Armstrong in my voice going, enough, enough! (laughs) (laughs) I love when uh, Kim and Taylor start arguing. One of my favourite things about housewives is like, in general, the housewife who um, always brings the argument that isn't about them back to them. (laughs) And Kim and Taylor are both really bad for that. Uh, Alex McCord is really bad for it, always bringing up the uh, Jill Francois going up the leg thing. It's like, Alex, no one cares. Luan... I like when Alex keeps bursting into tears about it. Being like, it's my children. I know, something really deep will be happening. And she's like, yep, Jill said that about Francois. And it's like, no, no. And um, Luan does it as well when it with the whole Bethany oh, oh. Jill thing, being like, yeah, and she bit my head off at the fashion show. It's like, no, 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 we're not talking about you. Well, how do you think but- I feel? <laughs> Exactly. They both managed to just grab the moment in this dinner party and just start shouting about their shit. Kim's Kim's voice is just like a new level of gravelly in this scene. I don't know. When she's always like, well, would you go blow up your lips some more? Uh, I have to say, I watched this scene and I just would be Kim Richards. I, I don't like, I'm really bad with confrontation. And she's just sat looking so tiny in this throne with like what looks like a bin bargain prom dress on. Can I just mention, I just, because we've been talking about props and like the e-cigarette and the massive martini glass that, um, that Alison has. I don't think that enough attention has been given to the fact that she randomly at some point just has a rose in her hand as well and starts sniffing it. <laughs> And it's like Flora's Paralos Muertos or something. And she's just like, she's never been more Disney villain-esque in that moment, where she's like puffing and then drinking, like eyeing people up over the rim of her glass and then goes to like sniffing and then then back to puffing and drinking and sniffing. But we also, like you say, talking about her kind of like villain status, she does then go from being like great content and great comic value to like seriously fucked up some of the things she says. Like... Kyle is every girl at school who made someone kill themselves. Yeah. I had forgotten about that. That was such a surprise re-watching it. I mean, that is yeah. worse than I know how you'll die and what will happen to your family. Yeah. Kyle's every girl at high school that made another girl kill themselves. I think it's one of the darkest things anyone ever says on this show. And it's so funny to think of, like, in other seasons, something that gets, like, fucking trodden out to be the drama of a whole season. Yeah versus like how mad that is or saying I can tell you when they'll die and what will happen to their kids or I also find it really creepy the bit you're missing out the best I can tell I can tell I know when she'll die and what will happen to her kids I love that about me (laughs) I love that about me like that's what I was saying earlier about like if I I got a bad reading about someone 
I just wouldn't tell them. Like it's I know, so I know, dark. But this is the same thinks, woman that was like. Thing about me is I can tell you when you yeah. die. I love that about me. Just saying, this is the same woman who earlier was like, you know, you guys come first, and we're talking you guys come first in front of dead people. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. that shouldn't that shouldn't need qualifying. <laughs> She's like, you guys come first because you're here. Yeah. <laughs> also, it just doesn't make good business sense for Alison. If she's built up her whole brand as inspiring this TV show about a medium who hunts paedophiles and serial killers, for her to then say, one day Carl might come to me because her kids have gone missing and I'm yeah. going to say, fuck you. <laughs> it's like, well... It's so <laughs> awful. On her website, she great. describes herself as a trauma specialist. Um, like, (laughs) and I'm sort of like, honey, you really are not. My favorite thing is when she talks about Kyle's gaping arsehole, when she's like, this wouldn't fit in there. (laughs) I'm just like, that's so low. (laughs) It goes from her saying, I was going to stick up her ass in a sort of like threatening way to, but you need a bigger one to even feel anything. It becomes sexual, (laughs) but it doesn't start as being sexual. Saying like, I'm going to put it up her ass isn't necessarily sexual until it's like, you're trying to, pleasure her with the e-cig it changes course halfway through but she also the the mauricio bit and i think by this point even you know however many episodes we're in it's very clear and it's very clear right through to season nine ten or whatever that mauricio and carlo just very in love and he's a very lovely guy and i would I don't know. No, don't get, don't get I started I don't know on this. about this. I forgot. I, I forgot we had this argument. I have to say, I have written down in my notes that maybe <laughs> Alison Dubois was being surprisingly astute when she said, when your kids grow up, you'll have nothing in common anymore. Because I personally mm. feel that. I think that one of the interesting things about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is that Carla and Mauricio start as like real couple goals they're the least rich ones there they just seem to really love each other and like have these family values and then as it goes on they get richer and richer and richer Mauricio is more and more absent and seems to just be high all the time um which I don't (laughs) quite understand we just watched it I just watched the scene in Hawaii where he's really high at the dinner table and it really really made me laugh. But like it's now an ongoing theme and I just feel like their life becomes a bit more clinical and more sad and And I've always had in the back of my mind that series where Lisa Vanderpump basically gets cancelled for like laughing about the affair that Mauricio was supposed to be having but I kind of believe it. Oh well that's Mm, okay. I I don't want to get I, into I, this I, I, because... I'm going to get on board with that, I, yeah. I find them real couple goals and they're like, honestly, they're my last kind of vestige of hope that relationships work in many ways. So I'm not sure I'm ready to like burn that bridge. But definitely by this point in this series, they're very clearly in love in a way that I just find it really... I hate that bit when Camille's like, he loves more than his nannies. And they're all laughing and it's the most kind of school... Uh, what I can't stand is the hypocrisy of how how planted throughout this episode Camille's obsession with women being very catty and Dee Dee constantly affirming that by being like, women are very jealous of you, Camille. I mean, it's the epitome of cattiness, what happens in that moment. But I think I think it also is important because I think it reveals by Alison being like he loves his nannies, unless she's going to try and bullshit it about her psychic ability. What it shows is that Alison is aware of who Kyle is and her life. So this whole pretense that it's like, I have no idea and I don't know who you are and I'm just here to see my friend. I think it's bullshit and I think that's shown by that. I also have to say, I think my favourite moment of the entire episode and potentially the most I identify with 
with any character in this whole series is when Kim says goodbye and then bumps into the houseplant. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Camille does her horrible fake, like, oh, like, like, after Kim. <laughs> Like she's remotely compassionate, like she's sort of maternal or compassionate at all. Honestly, in, in that moment, Kim Richards is like my spirit animal. Like, like awkwardly coming to say thank you for what's been like the most horrible dinner ever and bumping into an object that's like on a table really far behind her somehow on her way out. Maybe you're going to disagree with me because maybe that whole bumping into a bit of furniture betrayed all of this. But considering now that we know that Kim is an alcoholic and we also know that these cocktails are massive and they're designed to knock your socks off. I thought uh, Kim actually handled herself pretty well. Or maybe it was just we were all distracted by Alison. Yeah. Until her confessionals where she's slurring like crazy. So I weirdly think at the dinner party, yes, but in the confessionals, maybe not so much. Those shots of her on her own at the limo at the end. The thing is, <laughs> this episode, it drags them all down to that schoolgirl status. And there is something really sad about them all laughing in the limo. First of all, I think it's quite an ugly side of them, even though I would absolutely, after a night like that, want to, like, de... Um, uh, Compress. What's the word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I would want to dissect the evening as a group and be, like, pissing myself laughing. But I wouldn't want it to be filmed and I wouldn't want to watch myself back doing that. Because it's not like a great look on anyone, and I just think I don't think any I don't think anyone comes out well apart from maybe Lisa Vanderpump from this episode. It's quite a human thing, though. I quite enjoy them saying, "Can we go for a drink somewhere else?" Because that feels like one of the few moments to me where they're actually like react to something in the way that I would react, where you'd leave that and go, "I have to go somewhere else," because that was such a wild evening. Yeah, I like it's, that. I... I agree, but then it's so mean of them to just leave Kim because don't they say, no, Kim, you need to go in another car because you live in the opposite direction to all of us. The implication being, we're all going to go home now and then they all just fuck off to the polo lounge or wherever it is and leave her out. Oh, I hate Kim. I hate, no, sorry, I hate Kyle. She's such a horrible (laughs) sister. Sorry, it's all coming out now. She's horrible and I hate that now Kyle just feels fully scripted she's also i mean i could get into this because my feelings about kyle and my feelings about bethany too which i feel like it's not gonna land but the more i've seen i've forgotten about kim basically because she's just doesn't feature anymore but seeing kim and this is a tangent and it's something i brought up earlier did remind me about ken which in answer to your like what's your favorite housewives quote or whatever in terms of moments the ken episode where they're in the hotel and then they get into a car and Ken goes, my eyes really bloodshot. I think I got a fingernail in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> such an insane... Like that, I think, is the funniest moment in any housewife. The saying my eyes really bloodshot is, like, pretty funny on its own. And then silence. And, like, not like something flew into it. I got a fingernail in it. Like, to be racist... <laughs> So many questions. Oh, God. I so wanted... I, I, James and I were just saying, like, we just kind of wish we could chat to you about all the... Like, because talking about this has just made me go, like, oh, I just want to talk about, like... I could, I could honestly do a whole episode with you guys on Kim and Ken in that hotel... The hotel ...on room. the holiday that they turn up, like, three days late to. Oh. Don't apologise. And they keep being like, what we needed was to just sit. Did you go in the pool? No. We just needed to sit and have Coke and shrimp on the balcony. They sit over their plate and they keep going, like e- like either of them are calm or relaxed at all. They keep going, we needed this. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we're rooting for them. 
we needed this. Like, like that's going to calm Ken down. Oh, my God. He's my favorite. In any, like, housewives canon, maybe Cedric is a close second, but Ken is my favorite. I mean, it's such weird. The fact that he was, like, pretty much a main cast member for a series of this, like, semi-aspirational show is so insane. <laughs> I know. And it felt like there was such... And also what's amazing is the fact that, like, the one time he ever, like, inserted himself into the drama was the one time someone was being like, yeah, he seems nice. <laughs> yeah, when he comes up to Nicole to Mauricio and he's like, I heard you were talking about me. It's, it's Paul. And it's just this amazing moment where all the other moments, he would be right. They're all sitting there being like, why is this man on this show? The one time someone's like, he seems nice. I like him. He's like... I need to talk to you. You're laughing at me. What's your problem? And you're just like, it just gets better. So I don't know about you guys, but I find it very hard to not just like quote this episode going through it. It's kind of hard to, to discuss the drama because in a way, apart from that like constant heartbeat sound underneath it, it is just a series of great quotes. Oh. Around a dinner table. Part of this episode and part of Housewives in general is that you can analyse it only so much and then the other half you just sort of have to just sit back and just let it wash all over you and bask <laughs> in all its glory. Do you have a favourite quote from this episode going round? So Mace, what would be your favourite quote or moment of the dinner party from hell? I really like at the end when Alison says, take a flying leap. I don't know why, but I just think <laughs> it's such a funny yeah. thing to say. like so lame her insults it's like the like you've got legs too last time we checked (laughs) it's like like, oh they couldn't even spell friends (laughs) yeah I don't know who taught her her phrases like she's got it's like but now like she talks in Camille language what's the Luan one I don't know if I've got to it yet but I've seen a clip of well doesn't she say like why can't you just be cool or something oh Oh, Preston. That's the quote. I can't remember what it is. She says, be cool. Don't be all, like, uncool. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. And then she capitalises on that shit for the next three years. Yeah. Preston, what would be your favourite quote or moment of this episode? Maybe I love that about me. Because it's also, like, it's an extreme thing to say. If I always said something positive about myself, if I was like, um, hey, Sometimes when I sing, you know, I listen to my singing voice. I love that about me. Like, it would be such a a nasty thing to say if it was about a nice thing. But let alone if it was like, I can tell people how their loved ones are going to die. And I love that about me. Like, it's so far. That really does. It really cements her Disney villain status. That line. That would be like the tagline on the poster. Yes. So maybe that I like. uh, I mean, there's so many good moments. But I think that probably tops it for me. What about you, James? You know, um, when people say cellar door is one of those examples of something that means something a bit foreboding and dark, but it's just very nice and mellifluous to the ear. For me, it is the morally corrupt Faye Resnick. That's my cellar door, you know? It just sounds so beautiful to me. Yeah, it's a good one. And it is marred slightly by the fact, I always forget about this, but then we see Camille and Dee Dee and Alison sort of like workshopping it in the dinner, because don't they call kyle like morally bankrupt or something in the scene 
So like, clearly she's like worked on it and refined it, yeah, which yeah. is like, good for her. <laughs> but a close second has to be, and I can't believe we haven't really lingered on this, is the know that, that she does quite a few times. Know honestly. that. It's such a good emphasis to just, that I would, again, would use in day-to-day life. If you know, just want to make that point a bit clearer, know that. Yeah, and something else we haven't spoken about, which is so good, which is when they're goading her to give them a reading and she just keeps going, Oh, don't tempt me. <laughs> I got that written down. I forgot. When she goes, don't tempt me. And they're all like, oh. <laughs> and that's such and a, like, like reveling in, don't tempt me. Because I'll tell you that your husband's having it. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, please tell me. We want yeah. to know. Oh, don't even go there. <laughs> it's like, no, go there, please. Yeah. What does she say also at the end when she's like, my daddy told me to live life to the full and be myself oh, at all costs. Down. Like it's like such a non sequitur. It comes out of nowhere and leads to nothing. My dad says live life large and make no apology for who you are. But that doesn't link to anything they've been talking about. It comes flying out of left field completely. Like it's not It does sound like she's just throwing out potential taglines for if she's ever on the show. Yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah. She also delves into the thing that a lot of people do that is, A, the wrong saying, but her rhythm when she goes, I could give a shit about you to Kyle. <laughs> when Kyle well, speaking you. of, so my favourite quote this whole episode is Camille, who, having so like beautifully mastered the morally corrupt Faye Resnick, ends the episode on, you know, fool me once, shame on, shame on, what is it? Mm. <laughs> Too good! <laughs> didn't we all know she was gonna fuck it up when she started even on my first watch i was like i can't wait to hear out this <laughs> she's not whatever it is it's, it's not gonna be what the phrase is it's one of those <laughs> phrases that people rarely get right i feel right yeah. <laughs> it's a bold um, thing to attempt i love that she doesn't even get as far as what most people might be like fool me once shame on me fool me twice and then be like is it shame on you? I love that she's literally like, fool me once, shame on, shame on. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> There's only two parties. You could make a guess. Yeah, exactly. Kelly has taken the mantle in like Biff Tannen, like getting a quote. Isn't Kelly Mountain out of a whole mill? Is that Kelly or like? Yeah, that's Kelly oh, Mountain. Ramona. Oh, is that Ramona? But I feel like Kelly yeah, does yeah, it a few yeah. times with quotes. Oh yeah, when life gives you lemons or whatever the one she yeah, says yeah. there. Like, like, like I feel like in my head she's the one that gets the quotes wrong so hearing Camille do it was like really refreshing like I completely forgot oh, yeah. about how much that is shit so good I want to just take a poll on Alison Dubois hair because I personally love it <laughs> like I stan her hair and I remember saying this to the rest of the Nymans at the time and them saying it is vile but even watching today I was like I could work that and I'd like to put that in what is this describe the style to me what what is that like what's the style the blonde the street the blonde (laughs) which you have does she have a street i don't think she has a street does she oh okay i i thought you just meant like the red color and i was about to say you know the pride with which i told you that i had lisa vanderpump's answer machine message when i was 12 (laughs) yeah um with the same with the same amount of shame the other way around, I also had Alison Dubois' hair when oh I was Oh my god. 12. Do you know what? The blonde streak is only on Google. You no, know, yeah, no, I'm saying it now. It's very ketchup and mustard, isn't it? It's very of its time. Like a big chunky streak. It's Comic Con for medium. That's Oof. where I see it and I'm just used to it. 
in your daily Googles of yes. Alison Dubois. <laughs> I did think this was odd that she, it's a very underrepresented hue on the housewives in general, that specific shade. And it's interesting that both her and Dee Dee have some iteration of it. Mm. They're both sort of like sandwiched with Camille in the middle. It very kind of like visually marks them as some kind of gang in some way on a subconscious level. Yes. Yes. I feel like that was our hot take for the episode. Yeah. Like, oh God, there's, some, something there's, something, there's something in that, but we don't know what that is. <laughs> My pièce de résistance. Anything else? I'm spent. <laughs> yeah. Preston, Macy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having um, us. Thank you so oh, much. You're very welcome. Absolutely, I'm very proud of what you two have become. <laughs> welcome to the dark side thanks for joining us this week on the housewives archives make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show while you're at it we would really appreciate a rating or if you simply tell your friends about the show that would help us out too thank you for joining and we'll see you next time bye want to say bye guys bye (laughs) (laughs) wow we really fell at that last hurdle didn't we (laughs) 